guys, welcome to another episode of Conversations. I'm super excited to jump in today. Today we're going to be talking about how to build or how to be a part of a winning team. No matter if you're a key leader leading that team or you're an entry-level BDR salesperson in the position, no matter what position, no matter what sphere or niche you're in, these things that we're going to be talking about are going to be able to build an effective team. Really, there's five different core areas that we're going to dive into before that, I want to thank you so much for subscribing to this YouTube channel or listening to this episode via audio, whatever channel you're listening to it. Thank you so much. It means the world. We have over like 500 five-star reviews, which is incredible. Thank you so much for leaving reviews. It helps us reach more people. I'm just trying to get better each day, no matter who you are. Again, this, this is called conversation. So that's literally all we want to do is have a conversation with you via this channel. So there's plenty of other channels that you can listen to it, but Thank you so much for being on. We're just going to jump right in. I'm super excited about this. There's plenty of resources in my show notes that I always like to highlight, whether you're a church leader, whether you are looking to build your finances, whether you're looking to create your own podcast, there's plenty of resources in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. So let's jump right in. Have you ever wondered what drives team effectiveness? So you see a lot of teams, whether that be sports, whether that be businesses. Again, there's plenty of teams that we've all seen. The reality is there's a difference between great teams and very poor run teams. You might be a part of a poor running team. This would be able to apply immediately today. So we're going to be talking about some core drivers. I would say there's about five of these and we'll highlight them and then we'll kind of break down super practical for you. So here's the drivers that we're going to be talking about today. Capability, cooperation, coordination, communication. So capability, cooperation, coordination, communication, and consistently, this, these are what make a difference in each team. Again, I've been a part of a lot of teams. I've led a lot of teams in my journey. And again, this is not an absolute truth that I'm going to be highlighting throughout this podcast. These are just observations of things that you can apply or you don't have to. That's okay. These are just observations. And again, things that I've seen that I've talked to people about who have led teams as well that I believe will be able to drastically change your effectiveness as a team again. Whether you are leading a team at a church or you're leading a, a company of 500, all of these things are applicable. So because every single team has all of these five things that we're going to be talking about, the difference is you might have in a negative way or you might be crushing it, doing it really good. So jumping into capability. So this refers to the individual or collective, the competencies that a team possesses. So a team without capability will not succeed. I'll say that. A highly effective team is one that demonstrates sustained performance, team resilience, and ongoing vitality. So capability, are we actually capable practically to do the things that we're set to be doing? The team member capabilities can be split into two areas. And these two areas, again, compa compatibility breaks into these two areas, I'll say that. Task-related capabilities that individuals must possess to perform their work assignments. So these are the things practically that we do every single day as an individual that builds the team camaraderie to be able to do the thing we're doing. Practically, you send 100 emails every single day. That is something that you specifically do on your job position description individually that you would do. So it's task focused. And then there's teamwork related capabilities that people need to work and collaborate effectively with one another. So you have task capabilities and teamwork capabilities. And the reality is nobody, nobody can set this for you. You either have it or you don't. That's why, hopefully, you hired that person to do that position because they are capable of doing the job that they were asked to do. 
and the other side of it, teamwork-related capabilities, do they work collaboratively, effectively together? And this is really the big picture of this whole, these five things is, do they work together? Do the team work together? And are you painting the picture as a leader of how they work together? So my experience working in like a marketing department, you have a graphic designer, you have a content manager, you have a copywriter, you have a strategist, you have a project manager. All these people are doing specific tasks, but in the bigger picture, they're actually doing teamwork to build the business or to show another business online. You're all doing specific things, but again, it all works and blends together. And it's our responsibility as leaders is to paint that picture of how we're actually working and being capable together. So number one, capability. Are we actually capable of doing the job that we all said yes to individually and also corporately? So you have task and teamwork. Number two, cooperation. This is a fun one. This centers the attitudes and beliefs that individuals bring to team each day. So there's different attitudes that our posture as leaders is important to strike. So you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad emotions in a bad meeting. You're going to get into it. We understand that. This is a part of team. It is what it is. But I'll say this. One bad apple can ruin the future of the harvest of your company. So there's a difference between not cooperating in one meeting and somebody pushing back on something versus somebody who's consistently on a daily basis just not cooperating as a team. They're genuinely having a posture of, I don't want to work with them. I don't want to work with him. I don't want to work with her, whoever that is. And cooperation, I mean, and again, this all starts from that beginning interview, those initial onboarding calls. Are we going to cooperate together? Because cooperation is going to determine our effectiveness long-term, but short-term. So there's four, again, four attitudes or belief systems that we need to determine right away as a leader. These are the things that we're going to determine cooperation Again, you can apply absolutely today. Number one, trust. So when there's a quote that says, when mistrust goes on, love goes out. We gotta be able to instill trust into our team's peer level and to you as a leader. And gaining trust happens over time. It doesn't just say in your initial interview, man, trust me on this. We've all heard that a thousand times and it actually doesn't work. You can't just say, hey, trust me. That doesn't mean anything. Hey, love me. No, you got to practically do things to build trust. We have plenty of other resources, episodes on how to acquire trust. But again, it just happens through consistency. It happens in meaning your word. Be an integrity-driven leader. So lead with trust. And again, these are attitudes and beliefs that you need to drive into your core team. Trust, number two, safety. Can they be themselves at work? Or can they be themselves around you at dinner? You got to have people that are, can be themselves. There's no such thing as a, a work Josh and a, and a personal at home Josh. There are things that I talk to about my wife or, or you. There might be things that you talk to your spouse that you don't talk about your boss. That's different than a character issue. Your character should be consistent no matter where you are. But that happens through you giving them permission to be themselves. And this doesn't mean that we're all going to be best friends. It's very clear that. We also have a job to get done and we might not actually be besties. That's fine. And are we building trust and safety into our people saying, we're not all going to be best friends. I understand that. But when someone makes a mistake, do we jump on them? That's actually going to drive them to not feel safe in the work environment. They make a mistake. They share a thought. They talk out of line on a call versus you jumping on them and ripping their head off. You don't want to do that. You want to create safety 
security again. It's kind of the same word. Again, if they make a mistake, highlight it, affirm the effectiveness or effort, not the outcome. We don't affirm outcomes. We affirm and give public affirmation to the, the journey of the person. Let them be themselves. Let them, again, it's not that big of a deal. The business professional side of it happens. Yes, we all understand that we're all doing a job. We're all getting paid to produce results, drive results. But in my experience anyways, the people who drive the best results are the people who they can be themselves. And this might be they express, they dress differently than you. That's okay. Again, this might be different if you have a uniform. I understand that you work at Chipotle. Very different than what I'm talking about. But again, drive, safety, and trust. Number three, efficiency. Can they actually execute? And this happens through belief. You got to instill belief in the people that you lead. And or if you have a leader who's not instilling belief, how are you driving belief in yourself? Again, are you doing what you're saying you're going to be doing? Number four, cohesion. This is the last one and we'll go into number three, but cohesion. This is the glue that keeps a team united. Do we all understand and through the vision of the leader, know what we're actually doing? Like me, when I walk in at 8 a.m. to do my job, is there cohesion? Is there a system that there's a transition? Like when you're running track a four by one, we hand off the baton. But does that person know when that happens? Do, does there a clear picture? Do they have documents? Do they have endless resources to go into to see when does the handoff? When does this? How do we work together? Is this meeting beneficial? These are the things that, again, are going to create cooperation in your team. And if there isn't cooperation, if there's something, there's conflict in the air that no one's talking about, it's your responsibility as the leader to be able to understand that trust, safety, efficiency, and cohesion are the ways that you're going to be able to build the long-term effectiveness of summer team. Number three, coordination. So this is the heart of teamwork. The behaviors a team needs to demonstrate to be highly effective. And there's really four areas of how to be able to produce coordination across the board. And we've kind of talked about it, right? This is the way that we're all going to work together. And as the leader, as the coordinator, you're coordinating a job, a task, again, no matter what, you're talking about a church system, you're talking about a business system, you're talking about, it doesn't matter, y'all need to have coordination. Think about this as a football team, there's always an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. There's a head coach as well. The offensive coordinator shouldn't be thinking about what the safety or cornerback's doing because they're worried about their 11 players on offense. But them, understand this, each person on that field has a position, whether they're first, second, third string, doesn't matter. Each one has a specific position to do. They have an assignment to do on the field. But the coordinator makes sure each person actually does what they're supposed to be doing. If I'm an offense lineman, which I'm not, that would not work. I'm 160 pounds. If I went out and went out for a route to catch a ball, the coordinator might be a little distraught or a little confused on, hey, dude, what are you doing? But if I was never told what position I'm supposed to be in or what my role is, I might go out for some passes. So it's the coordinator's responsibility to make sure everything flows smoothly to create one team. But these are the four applicable behaviors. Again, these are all behavior traits because if we can drive and initiate behavior change, that's what actually creates practical long-term success. So number one, situational awareness. Is the team alert and aware? You gotta be able to rank this one through 10 and say, man, these are gro high growth areas for my team. And this is the big one. Are they watching out for each other? 
do we have situational awareness that when things are going wrong to a Sunday service, right? The, the sound goes out or the LED goes out or the hello sign breaks, whatever. Do we all have situational awareness that in a moment's change, something can happen and we can actually change, be the agent of change in that situation. But it doesn't stop with you. It starts with your team. Everything doesn't rise and fall. Yes, it does with you, but it doesn't change with your leaders. So situational awareness is a team alert. Are we aware? In order to provide support, do they assist one another? Again, you're not the superhero in this story. They're not their savior. They already have one. Are they providing support to one another? That's how we know we're in coordination. We're properly coordinating with one another is I'm going to assist you with this. I might not even be my area, keep in mind, but the team is bigger than my specific role. But I do know without my role, just make a team. So it's always these conundrums or things that we're trying to figure out together. But do we support each other? Do we provide support? Do we go out of our way to serve one another at a peer level or even people structurally underneath us? Number three, adaptability. The best teams are rarely great on day one. I think that's a great quote. I'll say that again. The best teams are rarely great on day one. Are we able to adapt? Again, it might not be in second time, in real time, but adaptability says after day one of our team working together, on day two, when we do a retro, we look back at the day and say, are, were we effective in the things we're supposed to be doing? If it's no, all right, what practically do we need to pivot incredibly fast to be able to be adaptable? We got to adapt to our environment, internal and external environments, right? There's always stuff happening outside of our control. Keep in mind, it could be your sales manager is having a horrible home life. It's our responsibility to lead with vulnerability and giving them trust and safety like we talked about before to be able to understand, hey, something's wrong. So as a team, the other eight people on your team need to actually be able to pick up what they are not doing well enough because there's something happening externally, but internally says they're lacking that trust, they're lacking safety. There might be something happening with conflict. There might be something that you're not finding out as the leader. Those things you need to figure out how to dissect and be able to speak to immediately. So does your team adapt? Again, the best teams are rarely great on day one. Your team's not going to be great on day one. You're not going to be a great sales manager on day one. We understand that, but can we practically adapt every day to be able to get a little bit better and to be able to learn and gain trust and agreement that, hey, we're doing something great that has infinite value, so much bigger than what we're doing. Number four, this is the last one for coordination, team emotions and conflict. So how do we effectively deal with conflict? Again, conflict management and conflict resolution is will determine the, the effectiveness of your coordination because we're coordinating as a team there's 10 of us, right? Something goes wrong. Emotions flare up because we're all human, hopefully. We need to be able to effectively understand to get through conflict. And I think there's plenty of ways to do this. And honestly, the, the number four will be able to give a bigger answer to this. Number four is communication. So communication practically is how we get through conflict resolution. I'm going to give you a practical tool here in a little bit, but the information exchange within a team, individuals, or groups outside the team, that's what team communication is. It's literally an information exchange. But again, it needs to be an exchange. And what I would call this, or what I've called this in the past, is a closed loop communication tool. So it actually needs to be a closed loop. Think about it practically a loop. 
it has to actually go all the way around. It means we actually have to be able to receive it. There's a difference between just blabbering or yelling or communicating something and nobody understands what you're saying, aka even on the side of preaching. You cannot communicate to them and them not understand what you're communicating and hope that it's going to be into their heart and they're going to apply it the next day. It doesn't work like that. We need to actually communicate to them in a way that they would be able to understand, sit in it, process it, maybe in real time, maybe over a week's time, and apply it. That is information, and that is communication. And if the person's not receiving it, if they're not hearing you, they might actually by volume hear you, but they're not actually hearing you, if you know what I mean, like in their heart. Their brain is aware of what you're saying, but their heart and their emotions, their soul has generally no observation of what you're doing. That is not information. That is not information. That is not communication. So the information exchange happens when there's a closed loop. And a closed loop happens. This is every single couple's arguments, right? You communicate something, they're not hearing you or they're misunderstanding you. And then you instantly assume something differently. And that just increases the level of argument. That's what happens in teams too. Again, it's all relationships. No matter what you're doing, whether they're talking about marriage, whether they're talking about your best friend, your parents, or your workplace, it doesn't matter. It's all communication. And this is something practically that my wife and I learned in marriage, like premarital counseling. Share, repeat, share. And this works in the business world too. It works on a one-on-one -on -one meeting with your boss. Share, repeat, share. Allow the person to share everything that is going on in their mind, everything. And sit in silence. Don't jump in. Don't assume. Do your best to understand what they're communicating. Again, because it's not communication if you're not hearing it as well. So just sit and listen. Share. Give them endless time to share everything that's on their brain. And in that time, what happens at, when they're done, repeat it. Here's, here's what I'm hearing. Explain everything they just said in context. Try your best to even go verbatim. And ask them, is that what you just communicated to me? And that might seem confrontational, but that is not. That is actually caring about that person so much that you genuinely just want to understand what they're communicating. Now, maybe there's a conflict that's happening with your manager and you're saying, hey, this is, this is going on. This is frustrating me. I, I can't go to work with that person anymore. They're gossiping all the time. As the leader, you go, hey, here's what I'm hearing you say. There's a person, blank, 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 their name. You guys are having conflict and you said you don't want to actually come into work anymore. Was that correct? Yeah. What you just did was affirm that you're listening to them. And again, going back to our second point, you're gaining trust and safety with that person. What would happen if they shared, hey, this person's been gossiping about me and I don't really want to be around them anymore. You instantly turn and go, well, you gossip all the time too. No one wants to be your friend. Nobody wants to be around you, man. What you just did is shut them down. And that seven-year-old version of that person is going to instantly shut down as if they were had a parent who never listened to them. And you're not their parent. You got to get away from that as well. But repeat what they said. Gain agreement that that is exactly what they said or the heart behind what they're communicating. Then share your thoughts or then share your insight. And don't give them advice that they don't want. You need to understand context and scenario each time the communication loop, again, we got to close the loop, which means there's an exchange. They communicate, you listen, receive it, process it, gain agreement. This is what I communicated. That builds trust and safety into that person. Then you share your thoughts on whatever they communicated. So you might actually know the answer 
again, all the dudes out here, we all struggle with this. We might know the answer, but instead of us just communicating the answer, they might not want the answer. They might want to be heard. And it's not bad to ask, hey, do you want advice right now? Do you want to just be heard right now? What do you need for me in this moment? Again, in this, when you, when you are the leader and you start to apply this to your teams, your teams start to apply this to one another. So when you're at a table, there's conflict that's happening. Somebody, again, when you have 10 people and they all have safety and trust in that room because you've led the way, you've paved the way to gain that trust and safety over time through consistency and integrity, they start to share and we all feel safe at the table. And I would venture to say 99 to 100% of you have one person at your table or it's you that doesn't trust your leader, doesn't trust somebody at your table or doesn't feel safe around somebody at that table. And again, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a Thanksgiving dinner with 20 of your family members. Usually you don't feel safe around somebody at that table. And that is what we need to communicate to. As the leader, you need to be able to have the awareness to see that and to speak to it. Maybe publicly, maybe bring them into a room because something is happening behind closed doors that one of them is doing that is causing a disconnect of trust and safety. And without those two things, you will not be able to effectively lead over time or to build results over time. So communication, it is a loop and needs to be closed. And it starts with you being able to create trust and safety into that person to be able to be themselves, to be able to share the insights. It might be a horrible idea. You understand that, but make sure they feel heard. And then again, over time, it'll build character into that person and yourself. So number five, this is the last one, coaching. So coaching, leadership matters, right? We need to be able to coach the people, again, under us, above us, and peer level. A good leader can help a team be more successful. We've all been around great leaders. We've all been around bad leaders. And there's plenty of leadership podcasts. There's plenty of leadership books that you can literally read today and practically become a better leader. I think sometimes we, we almost think of leadership more as a psychology. It's like theories. And again, some of it is, but some of it is very practical. Like, don't be rude. Be a kind person. Listen to somebody. Smile when you're at table. Give them eye contact. There's plenty of ways. Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Read that book every year, and you will understand how to actually be a kind, successful leader. Again, it's not hard. No one's born a leader. I don't think so. I think it's like anything else on this planet. You need to be able to learn and build that into yourself because there's plenty of people with titles and there's this whole title thing, right? I was just on a call with the pastor this morning and he said, I don't care about titles. I don't. When people call me pastor or they don't, that's fine. I doesn't, it doesn't bother me. The only people who communicate that are the people who care about titles because titles do bring clarity to your position, understand that. And he also brings authority in some contexts, but the reality is many people can lead without a title. You don't need a title to lead. But when you have a title, are you effectively stewarding that? Knowing it brings clarity to the people underneath you. The new hire doesn't understand what you do. They see your title. I understand that. So so much bigger than titles, but leadership does matter. And it can effectively build a team or tear a team down. So anyone who has helped ever, anyone who has ever worked for a poor leader can attest to bad leadership, right? We've all been around a bad leader. We understand it drastically does change the environment. And again, like I said, this one, number five is coaching. Are you coaching the people that you lead? And a coach does what? 
think of, we'll go back to the football example. There's 20 plus coaches on an NFL staff. Each one has a specific assignment, but their reality is their job, their paycheck happens when the players get better. NFL, NBA, they're cold-hearted. You have a bad season, you're probably not going to have that job anymore. And a season equates to that for football, 22 players on a field plus special teams. So 33, whatever. Their effectiveness is the win and losses. If you have a losing schedule of a losing season every single year, you're probably not a good coach. And you could give excuses. You could say, our recruiting coach isn't bringing in the right players. Our blank coach isn't creating the best running backs. Our offensive line coach isn't good. We need to bring a new offensive line coach in. And that's the observation of a CEO. Well, most of us aren't CEOs. We are more like the offensive coordinator, or we are more like the running back coach, where we have a specific group of team. We have five or six people that we are responsible for helping them get better. But do we all have the necessary drivers in place to be able to enable the team to learn and adapt? That's what a coach does. You are the one who fosters the environment for the emotional behavior side, like I said, trust and safety, but you're also creating the other drivers to enable the team to learn and adapt, which means you're a basketball coach. You're creating that environment for the player to be themselves, the shooting guard, and they're five foot 11. And you're like, this guy is short. He's probably not going to make it to the league. That's fine. He's not, he's not going to make it to the league, but he's in your hands today in middle school or high school. Let them be themselves. And that will effectively build trust and safety to be able to build and work the other four people on the court to know, hey, they're not really good at defense, but they're really good at shooting. Play with their weaknesses and their strengths and make sure that five on the court works together. Same exact principle works no matter what context. You're in the church. Are you enabling your team? Again, not, enable isn't, it shouldn't have a negative context, but if it does, that's fine. But do they, does your team learn and adapt on a consistent basis through all of this stuff? And it happens through you. You are the driver of this. You as the leader, everything rises and falls in leadership. That's John Maxwell. Again, he's the one who said it, so I'm not going to say it myself. I hate when people quote people and don't give them the, the whatever. So leadership does matter. But you, you understand that I just said this as the fifth one. Most of the time, number one is coaching, leadership, 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 leadership. The other four things honestly might have a little bit more density to this because you can be a great leader, but without team, you're really not a great leader. You're not, you're not a leader at all. Many people call themselves a leader and they turn around and they're not leading anyone or anything. So to run through these again, just a high level to make sure we are creating incredible teams. Number one, capability. So there's two parts of capability. You have task-related capabilities and teamwork-related capabilities to cooperation. There's four attitudes that you need to create and impart into your team for cooperation to happen. Trust, safety, efficiency, cohesion. Number three, coordination. This is the heart of the team and the behaviors that need to demonstrate highly effectiveness in your organization. So the four applicable behaviors for coordination, situational awareness, are you providing support, adaptability, and conflict resolution. Number four, communication. Again, share, repeat, share. It has to be a loop. Close the loop as a leader. Close the communication loop as a leader. And number five, coaching. Be a great coach today. Stop blaming other people. Take complete ownership of the lack of safety and security your team has. 
go in with a smile on your face and start to entrust every single person in that room. They're there for a reason. And you as a leader can create safety, security, trust, agreement, again, integrity. All that happens with you taking complete ownership of the room, making sure each person feels safe and secure to be able to necessarily drive whatever result you need. Again, the result happens with the right team. And it's Dare to Lead in the book. Jim Collins, I think, or Jeremy Collins, whatever. He talks about the right people on the bus. I believe that. You need to have the right people on the bus. Again, it starts with hiring. It starts with onboarding. We have a whole other podcast to talk about that. But the right people with the wrong vision is irrelevant. I forgot we said it. Many leaders say that all the time, but it's true. The right people with the wrong vision are irrelevant. You can have all the right people, but if they don't have the right trust, they don't have the right safety, they don't know how to communicate, you're not going to work. It might have worked in the 90s, okay? But today, in 2023, our responsibility is to create a place where people want to be themselves, but not so much as an individualistic standpoint. They can be themselves and work together. What happens is you as a leader are the person who's going to design that, impart that, and create change long-term in your organization and maybe the world. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. So much fun. I love teams. I think you already are doing a great job. And these, again, these are just observations. It's not an absolute truth podcast. These are just insights. Shoot the meat.